Indeed, Christ arose from the dead with a mighty triumph over his foes. There in the garden that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea, the, to- the tomb in which he laid on the, on the Friday is now empty. He has risen to give and to distribute all the blessings that he conquered, that he won, that he earned and merited through his bitter suffering, all the benefits that he purchased there on the cross, he arose to give to his people. The resurrection is the great cornerstone of the Christian faith. If Christ is not risen from the dead, Paul says our faith is vain. Everything that we are, everything that we believe, everything that we hope to be, all that we believe is predicated on this one single reality of the resurrection. There will be no Christianity if there were no resurrection. And conversely, this is why Christianity is so different from all the other religions. Where is Buddha? Where is uh, Gandhi? Where is Muhammad? Where where are all the martyrs and all the heroes that have at some point died for, for something they believed in or for someone they loved? They're still dead. They're still dead. Only one rose from the dead. And that's our Lord Jesus. And he lives. And because he lives, even now, even this day, he lives to give life to men and women, to boys and girls. Even this day, people will receive life because he lives. And it all flows from the fact that that tomb was empty on that morning 2,000 years ago. He is risen today. And today he still proclaims the same thing he proclaimed in his earthly ministry. Because I live, you also will live. Today I want to speak to you about this great miracle of the resurrection. And with God's help, uh, I wish to look at Matthew 28. The portion that we just read, we'll just focus we will focus primarily on verses 5 to verse 7, where it says that the angel of the Lord answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. This is Easter preaching. This is an angel sermon. We have a word of encouragement. We have a word of salvation. We have a word full of compassion. A word of encouragement is there. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Secondly, there is a word of salvation. He is not here. He is risen as he he said himself he would. And finally, a word full of compassion. Go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Let's look at these three things that mark for us this heaven's messenger's Easter sermon. The first words of Matthew testify of love. 
when you, you cannot read Matthew 28, uh, the beginning part of it, and not realize the deep love, the great love that these women had for Jesus. Verse 1 says that after the Sabbath, the first day of the week began to dawn, uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Why does Matthew say this to us? If not to inform us uh, of the state that these women were in, of, of the love that these women had for Jesus, even though he was dead. The women did nothing but count the hours on that Sabbath day. They hastily buried Jesus on the Friday because the Sabbath was approaching and they did nothing on that day but count the hours that they could pick up and go to the tomb and tend to his body. It was love that compelled them. And as soon as those first streaks of, of sunlight started, started to dawn on the east, uh, they, they quickly arose and they made their way to the, to the tomb. Nothing and no one could stop them because they loved them. Early morning twilight, they go out of Jerusalem with their spices, with their ointments. And they go in haste. They wanted to do a final work of love. Even though their hearts were sink, sunk and sad. Even though, though they were despondent. Her sa their Savior died. And Christ was everything to them. During his earthly ministry, Christ had become everything to these women. Jesus was everything in them, for them, to them. Without him, they, they, they had no more purpose. He was for them the fairest of all the children of men. And now this terrible, appalling tragedy happened. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. And with him, all their hopes, all their expectations, as it were, were dashed to pieces and were buried in the ground. They did not understand. They did not understand what was going on. They did not understand what Jesus had said he would do. They forgot. They, they didn't take it to heart. They didn't understand what the Old Testament spoke of. Psalm 16 in, in Psalm 24. They didn't understand What our Lord Jesus said about himself and his burial and his death and resurrection. But do not look down on these women. It is very easy for us to think, oh, these women, they didn't understand. They were so um, ignorant. Because unless the Spirit applies the word, unless the, the, uh, God is at work causing us to understand his, his, his word, we too fail to understand. We too are prone to forget what the Word says. Unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and, in, in, uh, and calls back Scripture to our memory, we too can become like this woman, these women. And they have lost so much. They lost their Savior, the one they loved. But one thing they still had, they still loved Him. Love had not died in their hearts. They loved them 
with heartfelt and feigned love. And this love is so great that he goes out in their estimation to a dead, even to the dead Jesus. So they go up in the morning out of Jerusalem or go down out of Jerusalem to the, to the garden of Joseph of Arimathea. But they, when they were going there, probably with much sadness and wailing and crying, something happened. Something started to happen. The earth starts to shake. This is, was becoming a, uh, something of a common occurrence in those days. The earth shaking. An angel descends to the earth, ripples at his feet, the whole ground, a violent earthquake uh, ensues. The angel goes to the tomb, he takes away the seal, he rolls the, 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 the stone away, he sits on that stone. And the tomb is opened by the order of God the Father. And then the women come to the temple, to the temple, to the tomb. And the angel is sitting there. What a scene. The earthquake, this angel whose face, whose countenance is like lightning. An empty tomb. All of these things, they cry out with a loud voice to these women. Jesus is alive. All of these signs should, should have uh, immediately put their hearts to rest. But still, there seems to be a veil of, of unbelief in these women's uh, estimation of things. The angel sitting there in his majesty was not enough. The earthquake, the open tomb, the, all of it seems to be, not be enough. But it will become Easter to them. They will understand what is going on. They will have their sorrow and sadness turn to joy and laughing. They will have their doubtfulness turn into assurance of faith. Because the heavenly angel has a commission. He has been sent by God to proclaim the Easter message to those women. And from those women to the disciples. He's going to preach the gospel of Easter to them. A word of comfort. A word of encouragement. And that's, that is so heartwarming. So, so, so gracious on the part of God. That he does not leave us endlessly to despond in sorrow. But that he teaches us. He pursues us. And he encourages us when we are discouraged. He encourages just us by his word and his spirit. That's what the Lord does even today to those who are discouraged, to those who perhaps like Mary Magdalene and the other Mary have missed Jesus. There is still something of a love there, but, but for some reason the, the, the weeds of this world have uh, smothered uh, all sense of joy. We've lost that first love. We, we've missed uh, Jesus is seemingly not there anymore. God still sends his 
message through his word and spirit to say, be not afraid. Be not afraid. For I know you are looking for Christ, the crucified one. I wonder if there are any in this building today who are like Mary. Mary Magdalene. In darkness of sadness, in the gloom of unbelief. Perhaps with a sense of guilt. A sense of one's personal need for a relationship with God, but not yet, not yet knowing where to look. These women were looking for the risen Savior in the, in the place of the dead. But nonetheless looking. I wonder. Because these women, they represent to us when we have strayed. When we have uh, fallen into despondency and the emptiness of life. Hear what the Lord says to them and says to you through the, his word. Fear not be not afraid. What an amazing contrast it is in this passage. Uh, on the one side you have the Roman soldiers armed up with their shields and their swords. And they see the angel and they tremble. They see him and they become terrified. They fall back over their bodies like dead men. And these women, defenseless as it were, and the angel speaks to them, Be not afraid, for I know you seek Christ, the crucified one. Jesus had said earlier, hadn't he, just a, as a, a slight aside, that if he wanted, he could command 12 legions of angels to come and to fight for him at his disposal to rescue him from death he only needed to ask. It so happens that it is now apparent that he didn't need the 12 legions. One angel was enough to, to terrify a, a, a band of soldiers like this. A single aim, a, angel could effortlessly immobilize and, made, and, and seemingly kill, in a sense, all of the entire Roman guard. We read in the Old Testament that one single angel killed 180,000, 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrian army. This one angel was more than capable of dealing with them. And yet there is another deep twist of irony in all of this. These seemingly alive soldiers are guarding uh, the, t the tomb the crucified one has come back to life and the living who thought that they could keep him in the tomb become like dead. But they will not bow down. They will not revere the Lord. They scramble and they go away. Soon they will lie about what happened. For these soldiers, God's messenger has no word. For them, it's only terror. But the angel has a word for these women, a word of encouragement. He sees their anxiety, he sees their fear, he sees their doubts, the doubts that were in their, in their hearts, and he speaks comfort to them. 
to the, to this angel god revealed something of what lied in the hearts of these women the deep mysteries of the heart the angel knew and he spoke to them i know fear not do not be afraid because it is a fearful thing and if you think it is not to see an angel just imagine the scene i never saw one but just imagine the scene an angel filled with his in majesty and glory holiness come from heaven and you a sinner struggling in unbelief you would just like that those women just like mary magdalene and the other mary be afraid but he says do not be afraid i know why you are here even though you're looking in the wrong place i know you are looking even though you are seeking in the wrong place i know that you are seeking i know who are you who you're looking for be not afraid be not afraid why because they were looking for christ and god knows this yes they were wrong they should have understood the words of jesus they should have remembered that he said uh, destroy this temple and in three days i will raise it up again they should have, have known that they were looking in the wrong place they were uh, they were mistaken in the way that they were doing they were seeking the living one in the wrong place but they were seeking and in their sad circumstances in the distress in which they found themselves they revealed that they cared about him they loved him it is interesting that the angel says jesus you're seeking jesus that name that name who is above every name there is so much in the, in one name jesus as the, the bride in the, in the songs of Solomon says, the name is that your name is an oil that is poured out. No holier name, no more beautiful or more glorious or more precious name than the name of Jesus. The crucified one, Jesus, the name given by the Father to the Son, you shall call him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You're looking for him. But you know why they were looking for them, for him? Because Jesus was looking for them. The only reason why these women were there was because Jesus had drawn them with his love. And they had made a choice to be there and to make no 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 doubt about it they, they chose on that morning to pick up and go early but they only chose because they were drawn by God just like Ruth your people will be my people your God will be my God she made a choice but it was a choice that was placed there by God a decision a desire you know something about this do you remember something about the time when God placed that desire in your heart? He sought you when you were not looking and he placed the desire to seek him and you chose in your need 
as you were struggling with your guilt and your sinfulness in your misery? Do you remember that? Because when you, when you remember that, you will understand what these women were going through at this moment. You will, will understand what, what, how they were feeling in their search for Jesus. How pleasant it was. Think about it. Think about that day that Christ came to you and spoke to you. Perhaps in a church like this. Perhaps in this church. Perhaps in another venue. At home while you were reading uh, your word. In a, in a youth uh, camp. When Christ's word first came to you. In power and with life. When the first time you understood that all the ways of your life were actually dead ends, literally and figuratively speaking, they were full of lies. And you first heard those words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it just made sense. It's like if the, the light burst forth and the chains fell off, as John Wesley says, I rose, went forth, and followed him. Do you remember? Because sometimes we forget about it. Where were you in that day? Where were you when that first love uh, was first put in your heart and you made that choice to follow him, come what may? Because like these women, we tend to forget it. We tend to lose it lose that first love we tend to start looking at other things and the weeds of the of the of the temptation of this life start uh, uh, suffocating everything else and next thing we know we're just like these women missing Jesus although the love is still there it's like where is he And what a refreshment it is for us that Jesus sends his angel, that Jesus sends his word to remind us. Perhaps you are going about your life very much like these women now, not knowing where to look, looking in the wrong places. You've lost Christ in a sense seemingly distant, unreachable. There's a lot of darkness and very little light. You see more of your own guilt and less and less of Christ and his presence. You need the same word of encouragement. You need to stop looking at yourself and start looking for the Savior. You are missing him. Because it's only in Him, in the reason Jesus, that you have fullness uh, of life and joy. It is only in Him that you have new life. You see, salvation, fullness of joy, blessedness, eternal blessedness lies outside of ourselves, but it is in Him, in the risen Prince of life. And He's done everything. He was delivered up for our sins. And he was raised for our justification. We too need the gospel of Easter to remind ourselves again.
Jesus, but the angel speaks not just a word of encouragement, but a word of salvation. He says to them, He is not here. You're looking in the wrong place. For he is risen, as he said. What a gospel message it is. It is a, there is a word of encouragement, be not afraid, and there is a word of salvation. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. As he had said, the one who was despised and rejected and, cru- and crucified, he is risen from the dead. He's overcome death. Death no longer has its sting. The wages of sin is death, the, the Bible tells us. And Jesus took up all that accumulated debt of his people and he, he made amends for it. He bore it through his, in his own body through his sacrifice. And now the empty tomb speaks of that sacrifice being accepted by the Father. God the Father was pleased with the offering. He accepts, he puts his seal of approval on it. And he says, it is paid, it is done. No more, no more debt for these people whom you die for. He was raised by the Father as a seal of approval that he is, his sacrifice was sufficient, that his sacrifice was enough, that his blood paid it all. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Jesus, the angel said, he is not here. He is risen. He's not in the grave anymore. Where is the victory of hell? Where is the sting of death? He is risen. The keys of death and Hades and hell are in his hands. The women were looking for a dead Jesus, but in fact he was raised. He is living and he is being preached to them and soon they will meet them. And I love how the angel says to them, he is not here, he is risen, as he said. You might not remember it, Mary. You might not remember it, but call it to attention. Remind yourself He said he would. There's a gentle rebuke here. The women could have known all of this. But again, it is so often the case. And before we complain too much about Mary Magdalene uh, or uh, put her down because she forgot, we too need to be remembered, as he said. And that's the word of encouragement as well. Because what did Jesus say? None can snatch them out of my hand. And sometimes we need the angel, not an angel, but we need someone to remind us, he will do it, as he said. Because when he says it, it's as good as done. And as the angel speaks these words, uh, perhaps the, 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 the words that Christ spoke earlier begin to shine again in their minds. He is risen, as he said, and even goes as far as to say, look, come here, come here. Look inside the tomb where his body was, where his body was laying. It's empty. He's no longer here. Not only there is an assurance of faith, there is a sign, a, t- uh, uh, a symbol uh, for, for the eyes of the flesh to behold. 
for the for the for 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 the the building up of that assurance. Let me ask you: Do you ha- lack assurance of salvation, brother and sister? Do you lack certainty, assurance that you are that you are His, and that He will do what He said He will do? Go and look at the tomb. The tomb is not here, but look at the empty tomb. By let His resurrection break your unbelief, because He who said who, uh, who would, He would raise from from the dead on the third day, he did. Look at the tomb as a proof of your, uh, of your security. Not because of what you do, but because of who he is and what he said he would do. That's where assurance lies. Look at him who said he was going to make a place, prepare a place for you. Because it's exactly the same thing that the women thought is so often what we think. Perhaps Jesus will only do half the job with me. Perhaps he will. Perhaps he didn't really start a good, the good work in my life. Am I really saved? Was I ever really saved? That's what they thought. They seen the miracles of Christ's earthly ministry. They saw the, 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 the great signs. But then he's there, dead. It was only half the job. But seeing the empty tomb in the morning re- reveals to them it was not just half the job. It was the full, complete salvation. He came and did and overcame death. But the sign, the empty tomb, come in, step inside, enter, look, come and see it with your eyes, come and feel it with your hands, come and taste it with your mouth. Well, that is exactly what happens in the, in the ordinances. What is baptism? But a visible representation. Come and see what is the Lord's Supper, the broken bread and the, and the, and the shed wine. The shed blood represented by the wine. But it, the visible sign of those things that we know that he is raised. Come see it with your eyes. The grave is empty. It is true. And finally, a word of compassion. And I won't dwell too much on this. We see a word of encouragement, a word full of salvation, and thirdly, a word full of compassion. The angel says to them, but go quickly. Don't, don't linger too long in the empty tomb now. Go and tell the other disciples. Go and tell the other that Christ is indeed risen from the dead. And why is it compassive? Why, why there is compassion in this? Remember who the disciples were. What they've been up to up until now. You remember what happened on the, on the Friday? Perhaps the greatest uh, example of this is Peter. What did he do? As Jesus was being taken up to that cross, he denied Christ. Three times he denied him. All the other disciples, 
one way or the other, besides John, we believe, uh, abandoned him. All the other disciples fled. You know those disciples that in the road to Emmaus that Luke tells us about, going back home, all despondent, it's over now, no hope. These are the disciples that these women are to go and bring this word of comfort and compassion. Uh, this word, uh, this good, the good news of Easter. It's not the good news for those who are perfect. It's not the good news. It's the good news to those who were despondent. To those who were, had rebelled. To those who had become unfaithful. And that's the compassion of our Lord Jesus. In spite of their failings, they need that word. Go take it to them. And not too long after this, Peter is saying, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. The ones in the road to Emmaus, they said, oh, we had hoped. Speaking in the past tense, we had hoped that he was the Holy One, that he was the, 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 the one who would redeem Israel. We had hoped, but seemingly we, our hopes were not in the right place. You know what this tells me? Is that our Lord Jesus is much more compassionate than we give him credit for. That he will not leave his disciples in misery. And he sends these women to go and bring the good news. And I'll just say this. What a great honor. People say a lot of things about Christianity. People say, say that Christianity is a, a demeaning to women. That it's, it's patriarchal, toxic masculinity. All kinds of things that Christianity gets accused of. Look at the honor that falls upon these women. 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 The first witnesses, the first ones to take the word of salvation... To, uh, to others. By the way, this is what was a society that women were actually considered to be second-class citizens. That if a woman had, had a, uh, a testimony to give in court, her testimony would not be enough just because she was a woman. In fact, in rabbinical Judaism, there was a lot of discussion if women were indeed people and had souls. And here is Jesus elevating women to the greatest of all honors, to being the first bearers of the good news of the gospel. Seems to me that there seems that there is a disconnect to those who accuse Christianity of being misogynistic. There is no room in Christianity for misogynism. God gave to women to preach the the Salvation, the message of Christ's resurrection first. Not from the pulpit. And yes, there are places and 
there are for men and there are places there are for women. There is a complementarian element to this. But God gave them the great honor of doing this first. And it is an example to all the women in, con in this congregation. Older women, younger women, girls. It is an example of the ministry that the Lord has given them. And it is interesting as well, just as an aside. Sin came into the world in a garden because of the sin of Adam. But it was through his wife Eve. But just like the, the bad news came into the world in a garden through a woman or through the, uh, brought about by the sin of the woman. Now in the garden, the reverse happens. The good news of salvation, of the resurrection that Easter proclaims is taken from that garden out into the world by women. I don't think it is coincidental. And the angel says to them, Go, quickly, tell others. They are fearful. They are, they, are, they are in fear. They are terrified and they are despondent. They need the word, the word given to them. And you're the one who's going to take it. How many are there in this church, in this congregation this morning, willing to take this word to others? But the question really is, how many are there here who are seeking Jesus who are looking to Christ I fear there are many people up and down this land in churches up and down this land perhaps some here who are not seeking actually they've resigned themselves they've, they see nothing that is desirable in Christ and that is a terrible terrible thing to not want to seek the Savior what is it that you're seeking then what brought you in this morning all of you what brought you in this morning is it just a tradition of, uh, of, of being a here, I'm used to coming. Or are you seeking something else? The respectability of Christianity, which is the diminishing in our society, in our culture, for sure. It probably is a good thing. But some people, throughout the, the ages, they became Christians because there was a certain sense of respectability. Is that what you're seeking? Some seek their happiness in the world. Some seek uh, their happiness in the church. But that's not what we should be seeking. The church can give you not, none, none of that. The only place where you can find true happiness, true blessedness is in Christ. And this is the good news. Because he is risen, he can give them, and he does give them. And if you're not seeking him, mark my words, he is the 
fountain of joy and blessedness and happiness. He is, his resurrection is the first fruits of, of all of those who are to follow him, who will be raised as well, to walk in this, in this living hope and to have resurrection life to those who trust him. That's the, the good side of his resurrection. But there is the reverse side, which is still good, but it's, it, it is a fearful thing. He is raised as well as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the risen King, the just and holy judge, and he will judge. And that is terrifying. So be warned. And you say, oh, but I cannot, I, I don't know how to seek him. I'm not seeking him. I'm lack, I lack faith. How do I seek him? Well, go to him. Ask him, the risen Savior, to give you a seeker's heart. And he will give a seeker's heart to you, I'm sure. And he who seeks will find, and he who knocks will be opened. Christ himself promised this. So the tender invitation to us all is still the same, that the angel gave to Mary Magdalene and the, the other Mary. Not physically, but spiritually, come. Look where his body lay. Mark all the glory of the Savior in that empty tomb. The one who was perfect and righteous, who was high above the angels, made himself of no reputation, come and dwelt on this earth and as a servant to serve others. His humiliation, his spotless character, character one who was uh, holy, blameless, perfect, undefiled, and, cl uh, and, and clean, one who was without spot or blemish, made curse for us. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, taken to that grave. But now that grave is no longer filled. He is risen. He is raised. He has the power of life. He has the power to lay down his life and he has the power to take it up again. And he has overcome death. And he is risen to save. And that should entreat us to seek his salvation. He is risen to intercede forever on our behalf. And that should com comfort us. But he is risen to judge as well. And that should warn us. Just as Jesus kept his word. And he was risen as he said. He said that, he would rise, that we would rise from the dead with him. And we shall. All of those who trust in him. Just as he said. Amen.